we've actually got a short second reading this morning as well. Um, That's on page 1056, uh, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. The widow's offering. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Let's just be still for a moment. Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's great to be back with you all this morning. Uh, Some of you may have noticed... um, not, I don't know, um, that I haven't been around for the last couple of Sundays. Um, And this shirt, um, which uh, maybe some of you will be pleased to hear, isn't going to be my choice every Sunday, but perhaps just on high days and holidays, um, gives a bit of a clue as to where I've been. Uh, Four other curates from our diocese here, uh, and I, Um, All ably shepherded by uh, our youth worker, Andy Wright's mother-in-law, Maureen, uh, Emma's mum. Ask her uh, as to how we really were. Um, We had the privilege of being part of a cross-cultural mission trip uh, to one of the twin dioceses that we have here in Southall and Nottingham, um, the Diocese of Natal in South Africa. It was an amazing experience, uh, which I'm certain will influence my ministry in years to come. And doubtless, uh, you will hear me refer to it um, in sermons to come over uh, the following uh, weeks and months. And indeed, I'll be speaking briefly uh, about one particular uh, episode uh, later this morning. But I hope, um, whilst uh, I was away there that many of you will have been in one of last Sunday's services here. Um, When, as part of our October sermon series uh, on giving, our Archdeacon of Nottingham, Sarah Clark, shared with us a great deal of her personal testimony, uh, whilst also giving a diocesan perspective on stewardship. If you weren't able to be here, um, I really strongly encourage you to listen to her preach via um, the sermon recording section of our church website, uh, as I did before I prepared for what I'm saying this morning. Um, It's a very moving uh, testimony. It's important, I think, uh, firstly, to hear from Sarah about how we support each other's church families in our giving throughout the diocese. But it's also very moving to hear her personal testimony, both about how she has been the beneficiary in her discipleship journey of some extraordinarily generous financial support from her church family, 
and also how her own personal giving has been repeatedly challenged as her walk with Jesus has become ever closer. So please do try to listen to her sermon if you haven't done already. It's well worth half an hour of your time. So this morning, I'm going to be building on what Sarah shared with us uh, in relation to giving, but with a specific perspective this week on our church family here at St. Giles. I'm going to be speaking about investing in our ministry. And I'm going to do that uh, by looking at our two Bible readings from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, And then uh, what I read, uh, one of the most famous biblical passages about giving, what's often referred to as the story of the widow's might, um, which occurs both in Mark's gospel and also in Luke's, as we have this morning. I guess many of you also will have seen um, the excellent, I think, short film that Bishop Paul uh, has recently recorded uh, talking about giving, which um, was in Sarah's, uh, Sarah's preach last week. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's soundtrack, albeit without all of the, uh, the rather fine aerial photography of bits of the diocese, is in the recording of Sarah's sermon as well. Um, so do catch up with it there. As Bishop Paul says in this film, talking about financial giving is enough to make some people glaze over, whilst others can really get quite worked up. It can trigger all kinds of anxiety and concerns inside us, often touching other areas of our lives where money is a sensitive subject and a painful subject as well. But money is, as in any part of our lives, central to our collective life as a church as well. Without income, uh, a substantial proportion of which comes from what we called planned giving, such as monthly standing orders from all of you and from our midweek congregation and our nine o'clock congregation. All of you who are members of our St. Giles family. Without that income, it's quite simple. We can't support the life of our church. So what, you might say? Other than the fact that um, I hope uh, we all love being part of St. Giles and all that goes on here. That we have dear friends who are also part of this church. That some of us have perhaps been part of this body of Christians for many years, and in some cases many decades as well. Why should it matter to us if we were to say that we can't support all that we currently do here, and all that we may wish to do in future? Well, I think Paul gives us the answer to this question very clearly in his letter to the Christians of Ephesus. As he writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The purpose of the Ephesian church then, 
and of St. Giles, West Bridgeford now, and of every church in every place on our planet where such a Christian community has ever existed is to bring glory to God. Everything we do in all of our ministries, in our praise, through the choir and through our worship band, in our collective prayer life, in our youth ministry, in our children's and families ministry, in our seniors ministry, in our pastoral ministry, our home groups, in our alpha courses, in the diocesan real life discipleship course that we're hosting here at the moment, in our support for our mission partners, in every single thing that we do here as St. Giles, as our church family, our one overriding purpose is to bring glory to God. And the way in which, above all, we bring him that glory is by leading Jesus-shaped lives, by proclaiming in word and in deed the good news of Jesus Christ, by inviting people to share in this gospel as part of our church family here, and by deepening the faith in Christ of those who walk with him and with us in this family. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of attending my first ever meeting of our diocesan synod, um, which is the governing body for our Diocese of Sutherland, Nottingham, um, along with uh, Johanna and Roger, uh, our two lay representatives on that body. And the synod was held at Trinity Church, the new city centre resource church um, that, uh, as many of you will know, has been established in the old Neil's Auction House on Mansfield Road, uh, established uh, just over a year ago up there. And the welcoming reflection to this synod was given to us by Johnny Hughes, who's the, uh, the leader of Trinity Church, the vicar there. And Johnny shared with us from Psalm 147, the psalm appointed for yesterday. And he particularly focused on the following verses. The Lord's pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. How when Christians fear him, as the Bible traditionally puts it, or perhaps in more contemporary language, where Christians honour the Lord and follow the way he calls us, putting uh, their hope in his love. How when we do that, God delights in this. God celebrates with every single fibre in his being when he sees Christians honouring him and following him and trusting him in this way. I was reflecting on this as I was finalising this sermon yesterday evening. And I had a real sense that when God sees all that we're doing to bring glory to his name here at St. Giles, in all of the many ministries that are central to who we are as a church family, he delights in what we're doing to bring glory to his name. 
God rejoices and God celebrates when he sees all the ways in which we're seeking through and in his power and his grace to make his kingdom come as we pray in the prayer Jesus gave us, to make his kingdom come here on earth, here in West Bridgeford. But I also sensed that even whilst he delights in this, God's heart breaks for this town of ours. For all the people in our community who do not know his love for them. For all the people in our community who are lonely, who are struggling, who are caught uh, maybe in abusive relationships, who are ensnared by addictions, who've never known what it is to be loved. God's heart breaks because even when we tot up all of the Anglicans and all the Baptists and all the Methodists and all the URC and all the Roman Catholics and all the Pentecostals and any other denomination I've missed out, there are probably 90 or maybe even 95% of the people who live in our town who don't know in a concrete way in their lives that God loves them so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that they might have life to the full in this life and eternal life with him thereafter. God's heart breaks because he's given his only son for this 95% and they haven't responded. Maybe they've never heard this amazing news. No one uh, perhaps has ever told them about Jesus Christ. Maybe they have been told, but weren't convinced. Or maybe they were put off by a past experience of church that didn't truly live out the gospel as we're all called to do as followers of Jesus. I don't know. But I do know that it's on God's heart that this 95% who don't know him should be on our hearts in exactly the same way that our hearts should break for them as well. And I also know that each one of us is called as followers of Jesus Christ, as members of his church, St. Giles, to bring glory to God by making his name known throughout the whole of our community, by witnessing in word and in action to the good news of Jesus Christ as we invite others to be part of this, our church family. And by discipling and loving and supporting each and every person who is part of this family. And if we're to do this in ways which I'm pretty sure I can say, we'd all want this bringing glory to God to be done. If we're to do this, we have to invest financially in the ministries that bring this about. We all have a part to play in sustaining and growing the ministries of St. Giles. We all have a financial call on our lives as Christians to help bring about the coming of the kingdom of God in our communities 
through the body that Christ gave to the world precisely so that this might come about. His church. I'm certainly not saying that the only way in which we can be church and reach people in our community is by having paid staff. The way in which so many of you already serve, often in multiple ministries, is amazing. Thank you for that. It's what, um, in so many ways, makes St. Giles a very special church family. But there are certain key people within uh, many of these ministries who are paid members of our staff and whose work is vital if we want to sustain and to grow as we seek to live out our church vision in our community. In the Old Testament, the people of God were called to tithe. They were called to offer up the first and best 10% of their income, whether that was in goods or in livestock or in, uh, or in money terms, to give that first 10% up to the Lord. In our time, the Church of England's suggested base level of giving for its members um, is a rather lower 5%. But Jesus, as he saw the widow leaving her two tiny coins in the temple offering, compared to the large and the ostentatious gifts of all the rich who surrounded her, Jesus looked into her heart and he saw a woman who responded to the generosity of God with an offering that is as he tells us all she had to live on this woman trusts in the goodness and the love of God to such an extent that she is prepared to give all she has to him placing herself entirely in his hands. This is radical giving. Truly costly giving. As part of uh, the mission trip to Natal. Uh, last weekend I had the privilege of preaching to a Zulu congregation in a township on the outskirts of the city of Durban. Um, with all due respect to uh, you chaps and you limited number of ladies, I'm terribly sorry but your worship wasn't quite up to their standards. Um, and I also hasten to add that my preach was translated. It takes me rather longer than two weeks to learn a new language. Um, but it was a, a, a wonderful experience to be part of the worldwide family of God in a concrete way, to receive their hospitality. After the service, as I was taking off my cassock in the vestry, I happened to be next to the table where a couple of members of the congregation were counting the offering from the service. And even at a very quick glance, I was amazed at the amount that this small group of South African Christians had given, had given to their church. 
I could see that there were denominations of note in that collection, that given the conditions in which many of these men and women have to live, given the uh, ludicrously high levels of unemployment in that country, given the level of uh, violence and insecurity that surrounds many of their lives. These denominations of note must have been right on the very edge of what they could have afforded to give. The support that they were giving to the ministry of their small church in their community was truly humbling. I'm not suggesting that each one of us must follow the widow's lead and give all that we have, or indeed give as sacrificially as many of this Zulu congregation appeared to be giving. We all have our own financial pressures on ourselves and on those we love and those we care for. And it's good stewardship of what God has given each one of us to live within our means. And of course, each one of us also uh, has financial seasons in our life. It's not as if Claire and I were spending large sums of money on pampers and baby food a couple of years ago. But within this ebb and flow, God calls each one of us to be faithful and to be generous in our giving. Just as he has been faithful and generous beyond our comprehension, in sending Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. But if we're serious as members of St. Giles about the ministries of this church that we all love, about how those ministries reach out to those in the wider community and beyond, and about how they nurture the discipleship of every member of our community, helping those from the very youngest to the most senior to deepen their understanding of what it is to be a follower of Jesus and to live that out. Then we need to be serious about the financial implications of this. It's not simply paying our way or keeping the show on the road. By giving to support the ministries of St. Giles, we're partnering with our Heavenly Father in the growth of his eternal kingdom here in West Bridgeford and beyond. Lee has written a letter to each one of you uh, who's a regular attendee at St. Giles to ask you to consider and above all to pray about your giving to our church family. If you do already give to us, first of all, thank you. We are so grateful for all that you give. But if you do already give to us in this way, we hope you'll feel called to increase your current level of financial support to our ministries here in our church family that you'll share the passion that we have to see the love of God transform the lives of more and more people in our town of West Bridgeford as they come to know Jesus Christ working in their lives, just as we know 
in our day-to-day lives. Or if you're not yet a financial donor to St. Giles, we hope that uh, all that's been shared by Archdeacon Sarah last week and me this week and will be brought together uh, by Lee next Sunday. We hope and we pray um, that this will encourage you to start supporting our ministries as um, in the words of our church vision statement, we seek to be a community of disciples witnessing to Jesus and serving him in West Bridgeford and beyond. There are uh, envelopes addressed to everyone, we hope, on our church database uh, over on the tables in the North Isle. Um, So do please uh, look for one addressed to you. If you can't find one addressed to you, um, sorry, um, we, we hope we've covered everyone, um, but please do, rather than picking up an envelope, please pick up one of, one of these chaps, um, one of the um, coloured folders, which has exactly the same letter in it from Lee as well. And it's my prayer as we read Uh, what Lee has written to each one of us. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us, we'll all be moved to place a greater level of financial trust in our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father who is only ever good to each one of us. If we respond to him in his infinite generosity, in faith and in generosity as well. We too can be assured that, as Paul tells the Ephesians, our God is able to do with this our gift immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. All to his glory. In his mighty name. Amen. We're going to join together in a time of response uh, in sung worship uh, and then in preparation for communion as well. So Will and Dave will lead us now.